Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All down the seafront, she whispered. Lamplight on her jawbone. Salt spray in our breath. And the flint cold of night on our skin. After this, there is nothing, she said. After this, there is nothing. Again and again. After this, there is nothing but the moon underwater. By the bar, that definite sense of glee. I'll have to put it in the lost emotional property again. Was that you, Robin? What in that co-op bag over there? Yeah, there's a there's a distinct sense of glee someone's left behind in a co-op bag. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I brought some glee in this morning. But did uh, you bring it in the co-op bag, or is it someone else's? There's no name on it. I brought mine in in a canvas bag. Right, okay. Well, I'll just pop that behind the bar. Yeah, someone will come in and collect their glee. Where did you leave that glee? Yeah, no one's going to pretend they've left some glee no. in a in a desirous pub. No, for God's sake. But, uh, Robin, you've got your glee in your canvas bag. That's a good sign. Thank you. But I've brought a bit of um, wistfulness in, in my wallet, actually, this evening. In the wistful wallet? The wistful wallet. Why are you feeling wistful, John? Um, I think it's because my back's quite bad. Oh, Jesus. So just a sort of reminder. I mean, I mean my, that my back's bad yeah. in the other realm, not in the correct realm, obviously, because all of the vertebrae align so... You haven't dipped to slisk again, have you? No, I haven't dipped to slisk, but uh, one always feels it's just around the corner. Oh, really? Do you feel like you're due a, a slisk? Probably not. I'm just putting into practice certain exercises and mind regimes that I think have disturbed the sort of central core. Shit, because it does seem to happen about once every ten years, doesn't it? 
It's you absolutely bang right it oh does. Oh, God. We can't have you screaming and writhing in agony in the moon underwater. Well, it wouldn't happen here. That's why it's such a pleasure to be here. It's such blessed relief from the old uh, lumber rumblings. <laughs> but how be thee? How be thee? Yeah, thee, me, be free and feeling full of glee. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you feeling after the end of the summer term? <laughs> I've still got a few essays. Well, you know, we've got our coursework to do, haven't we? We've got the bloody dissertation to write 20 years ago. We went to the pub this week, didn't we, Robin? And had a few mind-altering drinks. We certainly did, because the Moon Underwater live shows have begun in earnest. Uh, and in Chiswick. And in Chiswick, yeah. Which is beautiful. I love Chiswick. It's got some fantastic bookshops. Yes, it's a very nice part of the world and easy access from the M4 corridor. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. This is a commutable show. <laughs> and we had the fantastic Will Hodgson in um, on Sunday. And without, we don't want to give too much away, but let, let, let's just say there was cider involved. And I'm not very used to drinking cider at all. How did it affect you? Because we used to be quite big cider guys back in Daday. Daday. <laughs> Well, it fills you with so much glee, but then it fills you in the morning with so much ennui. From glee to ennui, for free. But you left your ennui at home and you brought your glee with you. Yeah, I certainly did. I think with cider, there's a little bit too much glee that you almost wish you could sort of um, save a bit, pop, pop, pop a bit in the freezer to reheat later in the week. Yeah, well, it, it almost tastes too nice, doesn't it? Mm. Do you know, like, beer and bitter, and bitter is called bitter for a reason. Maybe it's good that, you know, bitter and lager doesn't just taste like sweets. <laughs> Because the problem with cider is it tastes like you're having a yummy, fruity, sweet drink. I always I do have a little bit of respect for anyone whose go-to pint is cider. Yes. And I always think they've had a more interesting life than me. <laughs> I think um, yeah, we're serious cider drinkers. Yeah, I think they've, they've got a story to tell. It sort of makes me... I, I imagine their life is like the Van Morrison song, And It Stoned Me. Or just going fishing and... Going fishing, going to the county fair. Yeah, getting one of those big tankard jug things of cider. Sitting on a hay bale with a silver half a crown and talking to the local lads and lasses. Yeah. God. It is a life. Cider with Rosie. It's, cider it's, with Rosie. <laughs> just naming a book. <laughs> Um, any missed mail, Robin, this week? I did not sure I heard any sighing. Well, I, I sighed very... I sort of sighed under my breath. Oh, OK, fair enough. Yeah, but it's fine. You know, the the postman knows me, the, the missed man knows me by, by now. But we've had a couple of lovely missed mails in. This one's from Stuart. Evening, landlord. You suggested on the Jane Garvey pod that your ideal pub walk would entail lunch at Pizza Express, a good country walk, then beers in a pub without having to walk back. Behold... It exists, and not just in the misty dreamscapes of the mind. Kendall has a Pizza Express. We need to go there. Following a hearty lunch, you could set out to walk across the fields into the depths of Wainwright land through beautiful countryside. I love Wainwright's beer. Oh, yeah, that's and good. Named after the walker, yeah. I know that's what, not why it's called Wainwright land. It's not named after the beer. It's named after the chap, isn't it? <laughs> the last time I had Wainwrights on draft was in the Gardner's Arms on... North Parade? North Parade. Yeah, stunning pint. I think I've only ever had it up north, actually. 
It's lovely. Should you fancy a two-hour walk, you could stop in the village of Staveley with its two superb drinking holes. The Eagle and Child pub has a great history in the area with a large riverside garden in summer and a roaring fire in winter. You could keep it session with local ales, Lowswater Gold, Swan Blonde or Fellwalker, the last two from the wonderful Bowness Bay Brewery or Bowness Bay. Should you decide to move on, there is the very popular Hawkshead Beer Hall, home to many a session hoppy ale and several non-session 7% mindbenders. But here is the best bit. Either book a room at the Eagle for the night, get the regular half-hourly bus back to Kendall, or hop on the train to Kendall, Windermere or Lancaster and beyond. The dream countryside walk. Pizza, stroll, pints, transport. It is a path well-trodden by myself and Jane, my good lady wife. Happy pinting, Stuart. That sounds fantastic. I think we need to do that. (laughs) We should do a... We should head up north and uh, do a little pub crawl. I'd love to do some walking. My friend just did the the Wainwright uh, walk going from coast to coast. It looked hard, but lots of fun. <laughs> well, do you want to do the walk and I'll just go from pub to pub in a taxi? Yeah, yeah, get an Uber. I don't think I've ever stayed a night above a pub in a sort of hotel, a pub with rooms. I would love to do that. Yes. There's a very good Simon Armitage book called Walking Home, where he did one of the... I think it might have been Coast to Coast. And he sort of stayed in pubs and did poetry readings. And that's how he sort of paid his way getting, getting around. That, that's nice, but I'd rather do Coaster to Coaster. <laughs> nice. Nice humour. Good humour. Um, there's another good missed mail, which um, came in from Anna. Um, hi, Johnny JR and the lovely Robin, TM. I'm really enjoying the podcast and hearing all the different pub experience of all the guests. As you mentioned in your Adrian Charles episode, North America doesn't really do pubs, and that's where I'm currently stuck. I say stuck only because COVID has stopped me visiting my hometown of London and the bounteous pubs therein. Vancouver, where I live, has amazing craft beer. Indeed, a few years ahead of London getting going on such things, and I've just moved close to several breweries, so I'm spoilt for choice with delicious IPAs and hazy pails. But truly nothing beats sitting in a London pub, drinking room-temperature non-carbonated ale. I also really miss sports in pubs. I know it won't be popular with either of you, but I love watching football or cricket in pubs with big crowds. The louder, the better. In Vancouver, my friends and I rotate between a very short list of bars we know will play hockey games with sound. And this is in a city with one main team in a country that is supposedly hockey crazy. It's great to walk into any pub at home and just know they'll be playing the big game and that you can make friends with people over what's happening. I also love curling up by myself with a pint and a book, but it's nice to have options. Anyway, I'm sure I'll get to visit home soon and order a neck oil at the Founders Arms and look out onto the river in St. Paul's. But until then, I have the moon underwater. Keep up the good work, Anna. Oh, yes, you do. All of you have the moon underwater. I tell you what, I don't mind cricket in a pub at all. I don't mind football in a pub if it's kind of a big game and stuff. I mean, I don't, you know... I'm not totally averse to sports in pubs. No, and also one of my fondest pub memories was the last day of the when you could smoke in pubs. Going to what was the pub in Redland on Cold Harbour Road? Um, oh, uh, Cambridge Arms. The Cambridge Arms. I went there and uh, watched England performing absolutely appallingly in the 2020 World Cup. Michael Vaughan just not suited to 2020 at all and smoked loads of fags and it was absolutely superb <laughs> and it's just very nice to know that the moon underwater is being heard all around the world and it's helping people who might miss a british or irish pub 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, there are probably 200 million people listening right now. Yeah, I should all say in so. one, All in one pub. Well, if you think of all the, you know, the fact that podcasts aren't time sensitive, so you could listen to this at any time in human history, there probably are like infinite people who will be listening to this in the future. Could you listen to this in the past? Yeah. Yeah. Well, of those <laughs> 200 million, if but 1% of you signed up to Patreon to support the upkeep of the moon underwater, that would be hugely appreciated. And I think we could all probably retire, actually, because uh, that would be 2 million people. That would be too many. But if it 0.1% of people uh, who listen... It would make the patron's poem quite, quite epic, wouldn't it? We'd have to get into prog rock kind of territory. It would probably be a... Well, sort of like a 24-hour patron's poem. <laughs> Obviously, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, in our bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, where Robin and I talk all things pint, I also read out a poem of all the patrons who are signed up to the top tier using some really ingenious rhymes and some pretty moving imagery. Yeah, your rhymes are, your rhymes are sensational, actually. I think this month's one... You're really rolling off a, a geese in a skein and there's all sort of een words. It's really quite really quite moving stuff. Thanks, man. Well, anyway, we'd better get prepped for this week's guest. You know I had the roof revived. Yeah. <laughs> well, it couldn't have come at a better time mm. because it's got a welcoming vibe this evening, whereas recently it had been getting quite stern. Yeah, well, we kind of got rid of the stern vibe roof and just put it in the bathroom. Yeah, uh, so it's got a stern bathroom roof, uh, sort of ceiling, but the rafters, because we've got sort of vaulted rafters here where a lot of the um, sort of spirits of the past live. A lot of desire particles congregate, uh, but it's got a welcoming vibe. And I'm glad it's at its most welcoming because I'm so excited for this week's guest. Well, Robin, what do you notice about all these glasses lined up? They're all reflecting your beautiful eyes. Yes, that's an interesting point. I'd not intended for that to happen. But recently, a lot of the glassware here has been reflecting elements of my body that either I'm insecure about or very secure about. Okay. Today, I'm just feeling very secure about my eyes. So they're reflecting those. But that's not the main thing. Did you notice anything else about these glasses? Wait a second, they're all a certain kind of branded glass, aren't they? Correctamundo, Robin. And I've lined them all up next to one particular tap here at the Moon Underwater in preparation for this week's guest. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, the clouds have parted, shining a shaft of light that's following him down the street towards our door. I'm pretty sure that's what's happened. Now, it could be the beam of the light of the watchman of the water, but I'm pretty sure it's the clouds that have parted to light his way at this gloaming, dusking hour. And yes, as expected, they're leading to the door. And in walks none other than Shit London Guinness. Hello, it's lovely to be in the pub. Good evening, shit London Guinness. Come in and take a seat. Thank you very much. I'm just going to pull up a little stool. Lovely. I assume assume we're sitting all up up the bar, you know, because that's what you can do again. Yes, Yes. Robin's sitting up at the bar. I'm tending the bar. And you are guest of honour. Now then, shit London Guinness. Before we continue, 
we've got to find another name for you. Obviously, you are the brains behind one of the best social media pint-based accounts there is. Hashtag Shit London Guinness. Yeah, cheers. But, but is that your birth name, Shit London Guinness? No, I think my parents might have considered it. Just, you know, shit might have been on, on the list, but it, it didn't make it to the, you know, the final stages. So they settled for Ian. Ian? So, uh, I'll go by Ian today. <laughs> Ian. And so it's not Ian London Guinness, is it? No, it's Ian Ryan. Um, Ian Ryan. A lovely name. And, and Ian, you're not just behind Shit London Guinness. You're behind Beautiful Pints. Yeah, it's the sort of a yin to the yang of the two accounts. Yeah, Shit London Guinness is always the first one. And then I figured, um, you know, there's obviously, if there's appreciation for, for shit points, then there's probably appreciation for uh, the good ones too. <laughs> nice. You're representing both sides of the pint coin. That is it, exactly. You know, I've considered maybe average points, but I think there's not a base for that, I think. Uh, no interest. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> for those people who don't know Shit London Guinness, it really is what it says on the tin, that tin being an Instagram account where you post photos that either you've taken or have been submitted of some of the worst poured and displayed pints of Guinness in the realm. Yes, I think I'm probably someone, even though I've, you know, my my grandfather loved the pint of Guinness, I would consider him a pint man. And I think that I'm one of the people who's seen the most pints of Guinness in the whole world, you know. (laughs) Yeah. True. Every every day you look at your messages and you have 50, 100 pints of Guinness <laughs> waiting for you. Both good and bad. Both good and bad, yeah, exactly. Both Robin and I have submitted shit London Guinness photos to the account. Some of them, may they just may not have been seen. I know how sort of uh, message requests get missed on Instagram. Uh, so I'm not going to hold it against you. No, I have not seen those. I will hold my hands up and say, <laughs> I've definitely not seen those. I am quite a lazy man as well, which is uh, an issue. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go into the account, you know, message requests. I'll find one point I'll be like, yeah, worked on for today. Just get that one up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now going to open my drink for this evening. I need you to inspect this pint, Ian. I'm just going to finish the pour. Now, I don't know if you're going to approve of the... Uh, I'm just going to wait for it to settle. Because it is official, it is branded, but it's not technically pint. This was given away free at... Asda, with purchases of four cans of Guinness. And it's a 500 mil, well, 440 mil glass. And there it is. How does that look? That looks good to me. I think, you know, you you sold yourself short. Good head ratio? Yeah, I think it looks very good. Mm. That definitely has a seal of approval. I also also have those glasses because um, there's a certain sadness to uh, pouring a can of Guinness into a, like, pint-sized glass and it's just... You have that little little bit of emptiness on the pint. And it's quite sad. John knows all about that little bit of emptiness. <laughs> yeah, that sort of um, 60 mil of lack. Exactly. You just know what's missing and you want it, but can't have it. Having the small, slightly smaller glasses is perfectly fine by me, I think. So, Ian, how long have you been in London and, and where did you kind of grow up? Uh, so I've been in London about four years. I grew up in Cork in Ireland and I've always lived in North London. All kind of around uh, Finsbury Park kind of kind of area. Was it when you moved that you thought you started to notice the phenomenon of badly poured Guinness and you sort of needed to document this? Is that how it happened? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't a, a massive uh, Guinness drinker even before I left Ireland. I mean, it was kind of something that I kind of arrived and I, I kind of started drinking a bit more Guinness. And then I had a like Twitter thread where I just kind of have photos from various pubs and I'd be like, oh, 
you know, London has terrible Guinness and you have this kind of resounding agreement <laughs> from, from people saying, yes, it's so bad over here. And then, yeah, I don't know, I, I can barely remember like the thought process. I just set it up on a whim and, you know, within uh, within maybe a week, we had like 20,000 followers. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it pretty, it kicked off pretty quickly and I was like, oh God, <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, a thirst for uh, pitches of bad points. Could you um, take us through some, or anyone who's seen the account or follows you will know, but what are some of the big common mistakes in a shit London Guinness? Right, so the classics I'd say are poured into the wrong, a non-branded glass. It doesn't necessarily have to be a Guinness glass. You can have like a, you know, the tulip stout glass. It can be, it doesn't have to have Guinness on it really. But the, the big the big hitters are pouring a pint of Guinness into a Stella glass. That is a sickener. That's nearly the the main one that that we sent in. I'd say from you know various glasses, maybe you know like a Heineken glass, yeah, that kind of thing. Things that are just uh, a bit sacrilege. Aspels. Um, Aspels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or uh, Magners bubbles on the head. Mm. Oh, awful, which awful. Absolutely business. breaks your heart when you get handed a pint and it just looks like it's been through like you know like a smoothie maker or something. Like it's just all all bubbles and too much head, too little head. Too much head is a heartbreaker because you're unknowingly paid for uh, two thirds of a point rather than <laughs> rather than a full point if there's a lot of head. So, is there a lot of discussion on the account about the ideal level on a branded Guinness glass that the head should go to? Because for me, you just want a slither of black between the harp and the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is spot on. Somewhere in the Moon Underwater pub, there is a leveler that Guinness give out to pubs where they can. It's like this kind of device where you can, no, not even such a device, you just kind of stick it on the top and uh, it shows like the millimetres and where the head should be. And if you've gone past or you've poured like, you know, if there's too little head, too much, you'll see it on, on, on the metre. Guinness used to play a very, very active role in policing how their pints were sold, especially in Ireland in the sort of 19th and early 20th century. You would have a Guinness inspector who would come round and check the temperature and the quality. And it was a big deal when they came, because if you didn't pass the test, you lost the licence to use the word Guinness on your stout. Even though it came from the factory, they wouldn't let you put their labels on the bottle. But it does seem now, as much as their advertising harks back to a great deal of tradition and community, that they would take a million badly poured pints of Guinness extra cold over one blissful pint of regular Guinness, well-tended and well-loved. I do get that. They do have, like, you know, their quality team in London. Their quality team in Ireland is much... There's a lot more people to it. So, like, I think in Ireland, uh, you get a visit off the Guinness uh, quality team every every couple of weeks or something like that to your pub. I think in London, it's more like once a month or once every six months, I think. Uh, maybe a month is being, is being generous. They'll go in and they'll change your tap and everything. Uh, I only know this because Guinness brought me out for a day with the quality team just before the pubs opened outside, uh, maybe in, in April. Oh, Ian, talk to me about what that was like. Oh, it was, oh, it was lovely. For all of my sins, I actually have never worked in a, in a pub. And I'm sure people would hate to think that I've not ever worked in a pub. <laughs> and all, all, of, all of my notions on the internet talking about the perfect points but yeah like uh so they brought me here for today uh they we maybe visited four or five pubs in in north london and you know brought me down to the tap room uh they're you know they're giving me all the 
all the chat about the right gas and everything but it's really it's really interesting and of course we got a tap we got the tap a keg before the pubs opened again which was very much welcomed after months and months of drinking cans <laughs> you've posted some brilliant ones in london recently and you've also been to edinburgh recently which we'll come on to some of the ones in london you've said you're not saying where they are <laughs> but can you tell us where they where are the best guinnesses in london yeah, so my in fairness, my list is very North London biased. I'll always say okay. that. I haven't been to all the pubs I want to go to in South London. So I'm sure there's some people who will take offence to me not mentioning some of the great pubs in South London, but they're on my list, but I just haven't been there. The Old Shillelagh in Stoke Newington is an excellent pub. They do brilliant Guinness. Also, the pub that I actually wasn't mentioning is, I'll say it here, it's PJ O'Connor's in Wood Green, which isn't the normal place I'd go for a pint. Mm. Let me tell you. We're just making notes of that here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm happy to give them give them the business. It was a, it was it was a great place. Proper like, uh, I felt like it was definitely like you know an Irish pair passed down through generations. That's the kind of vibe that I got from it. Guinness was three pound ten before seven o'clock, which is very very cheap. You know, for for London and even that close to central, I guess. Uh, the Faltering Fullback in Finsbury Park is a brilliant pub. The Guinness in there is excellent. And you have the kind of sprawling, sort of like Shire-esque smoking area out, out the back. <laughs> oh, that sounds superb. The Twelve Pins in Finsbury Park is is the spot as well. And the Guinea Grill in, in Mayfair, uh, excellent food and excellent uh, points. Stunning. So I'll give you three great pints of Guinness in London, okay? First is sort of north, but a bit east. So it's the Northcote Arms in Leighton. That's the best pint of Guinness I've had in London. Okay, that's that's a serious recommendation. Well, there's an Irish pub called the Shanachie in Ealing Common, and that has a great pint of Guinness. And finally, and I hope this doesn't sound cliched, but the Toucan, which is a Guinness sort of theme pub in Soho, does do an exceptional pint of Guinness. They do, mm. they do. I kind of regret not mentioning them to be honest they do an excellent <laughs> point very lovely pub especially um you know if you work in or around central london it's the perfect spot uh, to go for a, f- for a few points it's a it's a per- it's kind of like a very soho kind of a place where you stand outside and you know you're standing outside with maybe like 40 50 people on the street just drinking guinness and that's that's the glory and there's not there's no one is no one there is drinking anything but guinness and that's how you know that a pub does good guinness if everyone there is drinking guinness then you will drink guinness there's also a very good pint of guinness visible from if you're outside the toucan and you look towards i think it's frith street nelly dean of soho does a good guinness i've never heard this pub there must add all these are going on my list my list is uh vast and always (laughs) expanding so ian aka shit london guinness we're creating your perfect pub i'm guessing guinness is going to feature at some point but before we get to that describe the sort of pub you want to be drinking your guinness in Right. The pub that I want to drink my Guinness in, I like what people might describe as an old man pub, where you have the locals who are sitting, you might, you know, there might be four or five tables with people. They might be on their own. There might be a few of them, but they all chat together and it's a bit quiet. Decor is, you know, old, you know, you have the stools with the fabric on them and it's, you know, there's not really loud music. Maybe, maybe there's a screen showing, one or two screens showing sport, a nice beer garden at the back. But your typical old man pub, I think, is 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 a bit of me. Is the is the sound on with the sport? No. Okay. No. Okay. I mean, you know, for special occasions, maybe. I love a pub where you go in and you know, there's maybe the various sports on, and then one of them might, might be the the horse racing. 
<laughs> you know, that, that kind of a pub. I'll give you a recommendation. In Lewisham, there's a pub called the Carpenter's Arms and all it shows is horse racing. They do a great Guinness and it is full of regulars and I dare say quite a few people you probably know somehow. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Michael Legg's a fan of that one, isn't he? Yeah, I used to drink there with Michael at the uh, Carpenter's Arms. That sounds lovely. I mean, I'm not... I'm not betting on the horses, but there's a certain, like, I don't know, just, if they're on, I'm like, yeah, this is a proper regular spot. So, in this pub, with the horse racing on silent, and uh, fabric stools, as the regulars drink their pints, what are your two draft items? All right, so let's get it out of the way to begin with. Guinness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Guinness. It's the yeah. it's my drink. You know, it's nice, easy drinking this. You can drink Guinness, you know, the whole time. Is it only your drink? You were saying since you came to England. Yeah, to be honest, like when I was a bit younger, I used to drink a lot of cider. I don't know. It's just like I think my my father drank cider, and I just kind of kept on drinking cider. I don't know. Like, and I think I've noticed it with a lot of my friends is that as everyone has grown older, everyone has switched to stout. Everyone's drinking Guinness now, but. Maybe when we were, you know, maybe five, six years ago, none of us were. So I think, I don't know, it just seems like with a bit of age on us, we're all just getting a bit more into, everyone's gotten a bit more into stout. And it's pretty much been my drink since I've come to London. So what's your second draft choice? All right, so my second draft choice. I'm not sure if you would know this drink, but it's called Beamish. Mm. Ooh, yeah, I've been to yeah. the Beamish uh, Museum. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. When I was about seven. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have any samples, so... No. Wait, wait, you don't mean the Beamish Museum as in the the museum where it looks like everything's old up north? Yeah. That's not yeah. where Beamish the drink comes from, is it? No, I don't think it does. No, I was, think, I was thinking about some... Um, I wasn't sure if there was maybe a Beamish uh, museum in Cork <laughs> that I didn't realise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's... Um, you know, so Beamish is a Irish stout. It's from Cork, from the, like, I think it was... They started brewing in like the 1800s. It's pretty much like the drink of Cork. So Cork has two stouts. So they have Murphy's and Beamish and they're both, I'm not sure how recently, but they were bought by Heineken. And in Cork, all of my friends, they don't really drink Guinness, to be honest, they drink Beamish. Beamish is like creamy stout. It's lighter than Guinness, isn't it? And it's a lot smoother in my experience, if, if that's possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's a, it's, it's, it, you know how, how to describe it is maybe like a there's a bit more of a coffee taste to it. It's a bit maybe a bit darker. They used to sell it in the UK, but this is before I I, I lived here. Yeah, it's 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 great. Like they sell it all, all all in Ireland, and it's quite sacrilegious really for me to be the Guinness man from Cork because everyone in Cork either drinks Murphy's or Beamish. There's a sort of common urban myth that Cork drinks more. Murphy's than it does Guinness but I think that's a confusion of a statistic whereby 85% of Murphy's are sold in Cork really that's that's so 85% of Murphy's output is is Cork alone which is quite incredible but I, th- I think Guinness is still sold in Cork isn't it it's still drunk there oh yeah definitely definitely I mean and they yeah. have Guinness uh, you know they have the Guinness uh, jazz festival in Cork every year which is massive that is sponsored by Guinness, and that's like a big weekend of Guinness. I mean, it's definitely drank a lot, like in in Cork, but 
you know you can't get Beamish in, in the UK whatsoever. You can maybe get Murphy's in a few pubs. Beamish is the is the one. It's what all my mates drink. So you've gone for two stouts on your draft. I mean, this is your pub. This is no one else's pub. Would your friends be glad to see that slight distinction of choice on on the bar? It depends. I mean, my friends from Quark would be happy to see to a Beamish and a, and a Guinness, but I think the vast majority of my friends who uh, live in London will be disappointed with the lack of maybe a a lager. I do. I did consider putting a lager on for my friends, but then I just said, you know, this is my pub. I'm going to drink a Guinness and a Beamish. <laughs> that, that's me. That's mine. And also, speaking of non-stout choices, you were recently in Edinburgh and went to one of our favourite pubs, the Dagda, and the Dagda doesn't serve Guinness, does it? And I don't think it serves a stout. So what, what were you drinking then? Uh, I just drank, a, I asked him for a recommendation and he just recommended a cider and I had the cider and a uh, a whiskey, whatever was the recommendation. Nice, they've got brilliant whiskey. What did you think of the Dagda? It was glorious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was incredible. Uh, just... I had a I had a lovely time in Edinburgh. I just came in, sat down uh, at the Dagda, and was just chatting to the barman. And uh, I was talking to him about about yourselves. Do you, do you remember which barman it was? <laughs> John's for for our listeners. John sort of collapsing with kind of desire <laughs> as as we're having this chat. But <laughs> it's it to go there in the day is one of the great experiences of mankind, I think. If you were to have the seven wonders of mankind, and it's not just like an old statue, sitting in the Dagda at about 4.30 in the afternoon as the sun just streams across the wood and their staff are so kind and chatty and funny, but not they're not like too much. They're just really good company. Oh, man. I wish I was there. <laughs> it it was a beautiful experience. Like as you know, I completely agree with you. The staff, you know, not chatty, but chatty if you wanted to be chatty. But yes. I feel like if I wanted to sit there and drink and not say a word to a single person, they would have been quite happy to leave me there. You know, you know. Yes, 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 and yes. It was beautiful, and I love a pub like that. A pub that's just uh, one bar, seats, a toilet. There you go. <laughs> you know, perfect. Like. It's a great reading pub, I think. If you want to read a book, or read a newspaper, it's great. Yeah. No screens, no food, just just a couple of little snacks. Like they do sort of um, local pepperami type meat sticks um, <laughs> and meat crisps. Sticks. And that's all you need. <laughs> I don't want to be sat next to someone eating goujons. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Or like... Uh... You know, halloumi fries that cost six oh, pounds and you get, you get three of them. <laughs> Exactly. Big bowl of gravy. That pub's just smell of gravy. You know, food pubs. <laughs> yes. It's so horrible. Gravy and batter and yeah, oil the, and chips. The leftover smell of a carvery the day before. Yeah. It ling- lingers in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite? Does it exist? Pour me an ale. Are pubs real? Pubs in the distance. Are pubs real? 
Next up, Ian, to be signalled by the sound of my second can. I've remembered the trick with opening cans of Guinness is to do it very fast. Yeah, just fling it in. Fling it in, fling it down your gullet, fling yourself (laughs) in bed. So, Ian, what are your two bottled or canned choices? Right, so the first one is a bottle of cheap white wine. Really? Now, are you drinking cheap white wine right at this moment, Ian? As we speak, I am drinking possibly the cheapest white wine. What is it about the cheap white wine that you like, and why is it so anonymous? It's just, you know, it's uh, it doesn't uh, pretend to be anything that it's not. It's just cheap white wine. You know, if, I, if I'm drinking wine, maybe not even a pub, if I go to the supermarket, I will find the cheapest bottle of wine, and then maybe get the one that's two pounds more. Yeah. So I feel like I'm not drinking a cheap bottle of wine. I'm like, yeah. I've, gone, I've gone for the good stuff. So you're looking at about maybe supermarket prices, about five pounds, five pounds fifty, plus two or three pounds, maybe 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 nine. Oh, maybe really? Nine pounds. Well, that's not necessarily a cheap white wine, is it? That's a sort of I would say that's a mid mid range. Right. You you can tell that I'm a Guinness drinker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean I do I do like a glass of wine in the pub. You know, if I'm not feeling the Guinness, and uh, it's always I'm always just like you know the house house white whatever is going. I do like to tie people down to at least a brand or grape, at the very least. So you're in Tesco, you're looking for a wine. What names ring bells? Oyster, Oyster Bay, is it? Yes, it is. It's the, yeah. the newsagent champagne. Yes, that's the boy. You know, it, it's not the cheapest one, but I'm kind of going, yeah, I'm, I'm not drinking like really cheap bottles of wine. I'm just going to get the <laughs> little, bit, little bit cheaper one, a little, little bit more expensive one. Okay, Oyster Bay, are we going for a Sauvignon Blanc there, I guess? Yes, yes, that's the spot. I won't even try to pronounce it. An Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc, and what's your second choice? Second choice, could be a controversial one. Uh, I'm not sure how people feel about this drink generally, is uh, Aspel Cider. It's not the first time it's been chosen. Not its first time. Uh, is it the regular Aspels? Yes. You know, I like a cider, like sometimes it's quite hard to drink, you know, like especially... I think it depends where you're sitting in a pub. Uh, like recently I was sat in a pub, you know, they had the two front doors, they had the doors, like every door that could be possibly open in a pub was open. I was sitting out in the caking warmth and I just couldn't even think about getting a Guinness and having it cook in the heat. Uh, so always I'll go for a cider if it's like extremely warm. Uh, Aspel would be my go-to all, always. If, if it's on draft, uh, better again, but in a bottle, it's, it's lovely. So the thing I like about Aspel's is that it's not a straight up, silly sweet chemically cider it's the real deal but it is quite strong i mean even the regular the the weakest aspel is 5.5 percent and that goes up to 8.2 for their imperial vintage that is too strong but if you don't mind it 5.5 i don't mind i feel like i feel like if you're if you're drinking cider you kind of know what you're getting into yeah exactly (laughs) i I think you know what i mean yeah, I think I, I used to drink a lot of cider sort of in my 20s and I used to go a lot to this place in Bristol called The Croft where they had gigs on and, you know, club nights and things and I always used to drink Weston's Organic. Do you know that cider in bottles? Quite strong, very dry. It's very nice. I used to call it Weston's Moronic <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because it, I, I don't honestly don't think I could take taste a drop of it now without being back at the croft it's it's feel, so feel, closely linked <laughs> really 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 strong cider i think you drink it for one night and you have a you know if you have a, a bit of a bad time 
you yeah. will never even be able to look at it again. There's a few, yeah. a few like that. Rosie's Jew is one that Ooh. springs to mind. It's a powerful, a powerful cider. I think it's something like eight, eight percent, but it's sold in these sort of uh, vats. It looks like a vat. You sort of carry this massive glass <laughs> case so almost. W- yeah. When you were drinking cider in Ireland in your youth, before you sort of matured into stout, what cider were you drinking in Ireland? Because they've got a big, there's a big Irish cider elephant in the room. It was most likely Magners, to be honest. Magners. I mean, it's called Bummers in Ireland, which I discovered when I uh, my first couple of weeks arriving into into London and I saw that the Bummers was on sale. I was like, oh, great. Like, I'll get, get a case of that. And it uh, turned out to be a completely different brand. Ah, yeah. Uh, Magners. Yeah, so it's, called, it's what's called Magners in, in the UK. Uh, but yeah, I used to drink Magners the whole time. Also, like, at that age, I was just, you know, if you're in a pub, like, you just, I was never really, like, buying too many pints, I would say. <laughs> well, there's there's no shame in Magnus yeah. or Bulmers because I drink both of them quite yeah. frequently. Just discovered Inches Cider, which is really nice. as a sort of middle ground between your Magnus and your Bulmers and your Aspels. I uh, found the taste of Inches very pleasing. But there we go. We've got your first four choices in, and I have to say you're doing very well. You've got Guinness, Beamish, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and Aspels Cider in this old man's pub where the racing's on and those beautiful stools are being inhabited by regular men and women, of course. But it's time to take a little break from your dream pub now and to enrich our brain organs with a little bit of a quiz from the lovely Robin Allender. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and... Welcome to this week's pub quiz at the Moon Underwater. As ever, there are no prizes except the fun of taking part. Format. I will read out three questions, then we'll go to a break to give you a chance to ruminate, and then I'll go through the answers and we can see how you all did. So this week's quiz is about the black stuff itself, Guinness. How do you think you'll do off the bat, Ian, with three questions about Guinness? I'm not confident, to be honest. I'm more of a Guinness, more of a Guinness drinker than a um, scholar. I'm just the idiot that drinks it. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, Ian, but when you said I'm more of a Guinness drinker than a scholar, that actually yeah. engraved itself <laughs> on the bar here at the Moon Underwater as a, yeah. as a, as a profound quote. Yeah. Delightful. Happy days. <laughs> so question one. Guinness is made from water, barley, roast malt extract, hops, and the brewer's yeast. But what part of the process gives Guinness its dark colour and characteristic taste? Okay, so that's question one. Have a think about that. What part of the process of making Guinness gives it its dark colour and characteristic taste? Question two. This one comes up in pub quizzes quite a lot. What colour is Guinness? I'm sure you may have heard this question before. What colour is Guinness? That's question two. Question three. So no peeking for this one. Think of the Guinness logo. A lovely harp. It may even say St. James's Gate on it. It also includes the year it was established. But what is the year? No peeking. I mean, I, I wasn't peeking. It's just right in front of my oh, face. Really? So I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to withdraw from the <laughs> You're third You're going to sit out of that one. Okay, those are your three questions. Let's see how you do. Thanks, Robin, and we will now give you some time to deliberate, cogitate, and maybe go to the loo or grab yourself a drink or not. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. And Robin, I know you've noticed, but today's tenterhooks are actually dangling down just from the sky. They're sky tenterhooks, sky hooks. Let's get everyone off them before they get pulled up into space like <laughs> Jeff Bozos. <laughs> so question one in our Guinness pub quiz was, Guinness is made from water, barley, roast malt extract, hops, and brewer's yeast, but what part of the process gives Guinness its dark colour and characteristic taste? So, Ian, what do you say? Is it, uh, is it possible to pass? Yeah, you can pass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I could just give a wild... Have a wild stab. All right, let's say malt. Okay, okay. John, what are you saying? I'm going to say it's the roasting process, Robin. You're, you're bang right. It's roast. A portion of the barley used is roasted. So that's how you get that really dark colour. Ian, you're still going to have your Instagram account, aren't you? You're not going to get booted off. By... <laughs> I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think Guinness will ever speak to me again. <laughs> <laughs> so question two always comes up in pub quizzes. What colour is Guinness? It's kind of like a ruby, ruby red. Yes, red. John, did you get that one? I did, sir. Yes, yes. yes. You, I, you hold your glass up to the light. Yeah, very, very, like, a beautiful red. If you shine a light through it, it is red, yes. I remember in the pub, the Annex, the landlord, Roger, did that in a pub quiz and shone a torch through it. Lovely moment. Question three was the Guinness logo. is a lovely harp. It may even say St. James's Gate on it. It also includes the year it was established, but off the top of yo head. What is the year, Ian? It's a uh, it's tough one. I, I recently listened to a uh, podcast about the history of Guinness from uh, Blind Boy Ball Club, uh, who's part of the Rubber Bandits, uh, if you uh, might remember them. Um, yeah. 1758. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Just a year. I'll have to give that to you, really. 1759. 
Oh, I was close. I was close. You were so close. Half, half a point. Half a, half point. a point. Oh. I shout from the other side of the pub. Thanks for that. I'll take, I'll take yeah. that. So, John, you peaked. It was just, I couldn't not look. You did peak. You peaked about 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 1759 I've got because it's emblazoned on the can within and the can without. Yeah. 1759. Yes. So very well done if you got that at home. Thank you very much for that, Robin. Great quiz. Ian, do you follow the account All Things Guinness? Yes, he is my favourite Guinness account, other than myself, obviously. The level of detail into Guinness branding, fonts, word spacing, shadings of colour, changes of logos is absolutely outstanding. And it is. He he's the first point of call on any new developments in the Guinness world. Compared to him, I'm just the random punter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like he is like, he's almost like, um, I know, I imagine him donning his robes and opening up his uh, Instagram account ready to discuss, ready to discuss some, some Guinness. Yeah. And he's, a, he's also a lovely man. He sent me some glasses, you know, those glasses that we, we spoke about earlier, the 440 uh, milliliter ones, he sent me uh, plenty of them. So he got me through lockdown. He's a, he's a lovely man. Mm. Oh, brilliant. And it's an excellent account. It's so good. And the best bit of intel I've ever got from that is that if you've got a serger can, but you haven't got the vibrating plate. You could either use a jewellery cleaner, or obviously most people don't have that. You can use an electric toothbrush, just dipped into it and turned on for a few seconds. <laughs> I think I think I've seen the same clip. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of respect if someone literally just goes into their bathroom, grabs a toothbrush, and sticks it in. I respect. Yeah. That, you know, a nice bit of chaos. Yeah, and then just brush your teeth with the Guinness. Exactly. I mean, you're going to be drinking it anyway, so you might as well. So. We've done your drafts. We've done your bottles and your cans. You've got Guinness, Beamish, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc and Aspel Cider. Are you a spirit man? And if so, what are your choices, Twain? Spirits, I always find them as sort of like in a, a company, like they accompany a nice pint. So you're a chaser man? Chaser man, definitely. Yeah. So for the first one, I would think whiskey, uh, maybe uh, Jameson. That, that'll be my that's my that's my shout. Depends on where I am. When I was in Scotland, I didn't drink any Jameson because, you know, obviously Scottish whiskey. But yeah, Jameson. Here's a question. So the Scottish people are rightly incredibly proud of their whiskey industry. Ireland also make fantastic whiskies, but is there the same level of sort of, oh, you don't want a Jameson's, you want to try the single malt? Or are perhaps the Irish whiskey drinkers more content with a sort of um, cooking whiskey, in want of a better phrase? Yeah, I mean, like, from I'm going to only really speak from my own experience, but... Yeah, I think people are happy enough with Jameson, but I, I, obviously there's plenty of incredible Irish uh, whiskey brands out there, but I'm just not really versed in them to, to really speak on it. But yeah, Jameson for me. Yeah, Jameson's lovely, isn't it? Ireland used to be a bigger producer of whiskey than Scotland, I believe. I can't remember what happened. I mean, someone should write in. But um, obviously Scotland took over and then Ireland is coming back gradually with more more and more whiskeys. But I do I do like Irish whiskey. It's a very, it's a very different kind of flavour profile, I think. Yeah, definitely. When I was in Edinburgh, I drank some of the locals and some of the pubs that I visited had me trying all sorts of uh, Scottish whiskey, and it was definitely different to what I'm used to, but some, incred- some incredible whiskey. And what's your second choice for your spirit? Uh, tequila. Oh, yeah. tequila mockingbird. Yeah, I think it gives you that option to sort of uh, turn a night of quiet pints into something else. <laughs> oh, I like that yeah. idea. You know, yeah. if, if you want, if you, you know, it, it's it's always there. If you want, if you want it, you can drink it. Yeah, but it's not going to be a normal night of, yeah. of uh, quiet pints. <laughs> 
Any specific tequilas that you like or remember? I'm not going to lie to you. Um, no idea. <laughs> I've heard some previous uh, punters in this pub uh, discuss some nice tequila that I've been put on a list to try. Okay, well, should we go? Is it? Are you talking white or gold? So clear or slightly yellowy? Slightly yellowy. Mm. Slightly yellowy. So tequila brackets, slightly yellowy. And uh, yeah, I mean, tequila is one for me where I think it was the first time I ever got really drunk was tequila. And ever since then, I can't really drink it. But like, what's what was it? Was it one of your first kind of forays, or, or or do you still have it? Do you drink a lot of it now? Yeah, no, I'd say so. I don't say I drink a lot of it. I think I don't often find myself the person who calls the tequila, but I'm always the one who has to drink it. Yeah, no, not that I have to drink it, but I do enjoy it. Do you like tequila cocktails at all? I'm a big fan of a margarita. Yeah, yeah, I like a tequila uh, cocktail, tequila sunrise. Now then, so we're we're approaching a full bar here at your pub, adding Jameson's and slightly yellow tequila. But here at this pub, we don't just expand your bar, we expand your mind. And in charge of that is the lovely Robin, who stocks the Moon Underwater Pub Library. Robin, take it away. Oh, that's interesting. Thanks, John. So this week in the pub library, we've got a great book. It's a lovely cover, actually, here by J.B. Priestley, who you may know. I did Inspector Cause at school. I'm sure lots of people did as well. It's a great play. Yes, John. Yes, John. <laughs> yes, John. You did yeah. the Inspector Calls yeah. and Inspector Calls. And Inspector Calls. Or is it a Spectre Calls? Mm. No, it's an That's Inspector That's what I would write if I was uh, doing my GCSEs again. Sure. J.B. Priestley... It was a brilliant writer, and he. this is a fantastic book of his called Delight. And he basically wrote all, lots of these very short essays, and they're all just really, some of them, it's, it's, it's basically such a comforting book, this. But this is a, an essay he wrote when he was very busy during the war, the Second World War. So this, this is great. Okay, I'll just go from here. Just gin and tonic and some potato crisps. But the time and the setting were important. During the Blitz period, the early autumn of 1940, I was in London, collecting material and writing articles during the day and broadcasting very late at night to the Dominions in America. It was exhausting work and I was always short of sleep. On Friday afternoons, I went down to an Oxfordshire village where my wife was staying for a few weeks and then returned to London on Sunday afternoon to give my postscript talk in the evening. I would arrive at this village on Friday about an hour or so before dinner after which I crept to bed to make up for the week's loss of sleep. Nobody wanted me in the house during this hour before dinner, so I used to stroll down the road to the village pub, where I would drink gin and tonic and nibble potato crisps. There was never anybody else at that time in the little bar parlour, and apart from exchanging a few remarks with the landlady, I spoke to nobody. I sprawled, my bones aching with tiredness, near the tiny window through which the glow of the evening dimly filtered, and I alternated potato crisps with gulps of gin and tonic. There was as little to see as there was to say. It was all outwardly dull, and might even have been thought depressing, but after all the dodging about and fire and madness of London, the sirens and guns, the endless hours of excited talk in smoky basements, the split-second microphone business, the telephoning and typewriting, the loud rumours and mounting horrors, the cables and wires and letters, the flaming midnight seen with eyeballs of hot brass, this solitary, mild tippling and nibbling without a thought in my head, 
only an unfathomable sense of peace and quiet and remoteness soared above mere content to become delight, never to be forgotten, fit to be celebrated in something better than this prose, an hour of poetry. Oh my Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's great. Love oh that. Oh my God. But that is, I know, we often seem to come back to the 1940s in this podcast, but I think there's something so nice about that where to actually escape the complete chaos of that time to a pub. Yes. It must have been quite extraordinary. And also the idea of a pub as almost a shelter. Um, and I'm sure many pubs were bombed and were destroyed and many lives were lost, but something about. The safety, the feeling of safety in a pub. I commute to London three or four times a week and I live somewhere outside of London and I totally get that feeling of just the stress and noise and smell and hurry of London just falling off your back as you walk through a wood to get to your house (laughs) is, oh man, that's right up my street. Very good choice. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Ian, are you a fan of country pubs as well as city pubs? Do you have any faves there? Yeah, I think um comes to mind is probably uh, O'Sullivan's in Cork, in Cookhaven. It's in sort of the West Cork, which some people might, I, like personally I might say it's like sort of at the Cornwall of, of Ireland. Right, uh, right. You know, sp- sprawling, sprawling hills and kind of beautiful scenery. But yeah, it's this little pub next to the sea and they do all, you know, excellent uh, sea- seafood and just pints. I once ordered a Guinness in there and he said uh, yeah one pint of foreign stout really because uh, yeah he said oh one, one, one pint of foreign stout for you because I wasn't having to be Monsieur Murphy's wow. so that can, okay. that, let you know the kind of pub it was but yeah no, excellent excellent place Ian do you know Creedon's Top of Coombe pub I don't to be honest so there's a video on YouTube called the highest pub in Ireland reopens and it's on the Cork Kerry border and I was sent it because the cork accents in that video are so extraordinarily thick that it's almost impossible to hear what they're saying, but they're beautiful, beautiful accents. But in that video, the pints of Guinness they're drinking in this pub look absolutely incredible. I have seen that video, actually. Maybe I need to get up there for like a sort of a pilgrimage, just walk walk my way from my from my house in Cork <laughs> up there. Do you know of the pub? I don't know of the pub, I know of the clip. Is that as thick as a Cork accent gets? Oh, I mean, I've never heard anything like that before, to be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that is that is uh, very serious, even for me. There's a great bit in the video where it cuts to the man and he's suddenly got a lamb yes, in the pub. Yes, no, that. He's feeding I think it. I could just about, I think I could, I could understand it, I'd say, definitely. Um, but any, anyone else, I think, no chance. Anyone, even even if you're outside of Cork, I'd say or Kerry, it has it's kind of a mix between a Cork and Kerry accent, which are both very strong accents for for Irish ones, and especially if you're living in the kind of countryside. But it's an I, I need to go there definitely. Just get one of the lads to drive me up for the day. I would love to see a photo of you in that pub with a pint of Guinness. I will. I'll send you it once I get there. I'll send you the, the oh, photo. Please. <laughs> what, what's what's the Kerry accent like then? Is that very different to the Cork accent? Uh, it wouldn't be like extremely different, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do a Kerry accent, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but it, yeah, it's 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 slightly different, a bit more, bit heavier, I would say. But it also depends on the person. My friend told me there's a, a kind of th- a threat in Kerry, which I won't do the accent, but it's, do you want to wake up with a crowd around you? <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> that is a beautiful. Uh, it says it says everything. It says everything it needs to say. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you want to wake up with the crowd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we don't just have a library here, Ian. We have a jukebox. And I want you to install in the Moon Underwater pub jukebox your ideal pub album. Right. So, The Pogues, Rum, Sodomy and The Lash. Lovely. Oh. Nice. Has to be. Has to be. One of my favourite albums of all time. I love The Pogues. I love Shane McGowan. Um, I think especially like as an Irish person in London, some of the songs really not speak to me as such, like, but, you know, it's like kind of uh, feel connected to them somehow. Um, but yeah, it's an excellent album. I think great for a pub, especially as the night gets a bit later. Sick on The Pogues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is a, Shame. yeah, because he, he, he was a, Irish man living in, in London, wasn't he? So there was that kind of sense. Of- yeah, like yeah, like, I mean, Shane Shane grew up in Ireland. I mean, to a certain point before he moved to the UK. So but yeah, no, an, an incredible man. Yeah, just an incredible voice. You'll never hear the likes of it again. But my love, by the gasworks wall, dream the dream by the old canal. I think I'm definitely going to have to get that album. I'm ashamed to say I don't own it, but I've heard so many people rave about it. I'm a big fan of the Dubliners. Yeah, well, the album I know more is If I Should Fall From Grace With God, which is also a fantastic album. Yes, Um, yeah. I mean, they've done so much good stuff before Shane left, and they had an absolutely wild career. There's a great documentary about Shane McGowan that came out over the last couple of years. You should give it a watch. It's um, one of my one of my friend's band's soundtracks, it, and it's uh, great. Oh, cool. Is it called Crock of Gold? Yes, yes, that's it. And it's um, soundtracked by the Mary Wallopers, which are my mate's kind of uh, Irish trad band. Oh, cool. Well, we have one choice left in Ian Ryan, a.k.a. Shit London Guinness's Dream Pub. <laughs> A.K.A. Beautiful Pints. A.K.A. Beautiful Pints, <laughs> A.K.A. Shit London Guinness. Yeah. You've had your spirits. You've got Jameson's and tequila. You have cheap white wine, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc, Aspel Cider, Guinness and Beamish. But what's your wild card, Ian? Okay, my wild card is a drink called Spirit of Louisiana. I'm going to go straight in on the, give you the brand name. It's a sort of whiskey liqueur that they used to sell in Tesco many years ago. And I would love to see, I would love to drink it again. It's the sort of, uh, it's what I drank when I was about 18, 19, 20. And um, it was chaos fuel. And that's exactly what I, exactly what I liked at the time. Uh, and it was very cheap. Yeah. And I would love to just, I haven't been able to find it for many years. And I think if, it, if I was to have my pub and if I was able to get it, I would love to, to drink it again. Is it the sort of drink where you wake up with a crowd around you? Exactly. Exactly. I think... I think you're almost guaranteed to have a crowd around you when you drink that, uh, waking up or else even through the night. (laughs) Just looking it up in my mind, and you can get it in Tesco online. Really? Yeah. it's What's it called again? uh, Spirit of Louisiana. It's, I reckon it's a sort of, it's not dissimilar from Southern Comfort. Yes, I think it's like their version of, you know, their cheap version of it. Right, so it's got like orange. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was maybe maybe 10, oh 10 pounds God. and I used to drink it with sort of a Lucasade exotic. That's, that, that was the mixer. But yeah, I think... What? Lucasade and Spirit of Louisiana. Yeah. Spirit of Lucasade. That's a, that's a recipe for a, a big night. 
and I, I, it's been so long since I've drank it, I'd have to just have it as the, exactly as the wild card. Oh, what a great choice. It's, so it's basically like a sort of own brand uh, Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort, yeah. yeah it's amazing. Yeah. This is a hell of a pub, Ian. I it's know. really... I didn't want to... You you're going to have a memorable night here. I, <laughs> I didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of pretend that I, you know, that I, oh, like I'll have like a X or Y. Uh, I want to just be really honest. If you really gave me these options, it's what I'd go for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's good. You'd have a great time in this pub, but it could get messy. A little bit, maybe. Yeah. If you stick to the uh, what's on the bottle, if you stick to the Beamish and the Guinness, you'd be all right. But there's the option for a bit yeah. more if you want it. Yeah. The pokes come on and out come the tequilas and then it's like, okay. Yeah, pass around the, wake up the, pass around the spirit of Louisiana. <laughs> You're bad. We've talked about an awful lot, awful lot that might happen in this pub. Quiet, reflective pints watching uh, the sport with the sound off. Then things take a turn. There's the chance of chaos, the chance of mayhem, the chance of Spirit of Louisiana as the pogues ring out. But what one thing are you not going to allow in this pub under any circumstances? I think uniforms for the staff. I think it really kind of brings down Mm. the... You know, the joy of a pub if everyone is kind of forced to wear some sort of uh, overall or, you know, some sort of branded uniform. You know, I want my bartender to be wearing a Slipknot t-shirt. You know, I want them to wear oh, something no. like that, you know. <laughs> Maybe like a WWE t-shirt yeah. that they just grabbed out of the, you know, the back of the wardrobe. Leave them, leave them at it. You want, gives it gives it a bit more character. I don't like seeing, I don't like pubs that are just too like regimented, if you get me. Mm, too formal, yeah. That is a first in the bard section of the Moon Underwater. And I have to say, what a very wonderful choice that is to allow your bar staff to throw on whatever they may... I, I imagine them sort of picking it up from the end of a bed and giving it a sniff before putting it on. Exactly. And, you know, with the people that I would have in my pub, they'd know the bartender anyway. There's, you know, there's no need for identifiable uh, clothing. Rob, I think Ian would like the star in Oxford. Yeah, yeah, great pub. Yeah, and the hatchet. I'm gonna to have to book my book my ticket. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, are you, are you saying do you, do you want it to have a kind of feel of a rock pub kind of a vibe? Uh, not even. I mean, I'm not. I am uh, a little bit partial to a to a rock pub, but I'm not saying you know the bartender could enjoy rock, but they could wear you know it could be anything. They'd be wearing like um, you know, Britney Spears t-shirt, whatever, whatever they want. It's absolutely whatever they want, and what a pub this is. Just that slight edge. I mean, good order, but the potential... I think this is going to be a lock-in <laughs> pub, don't you, Ian? Yes, yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's, that might be on the menu. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of pub where, where you'd kind of... If you went in at about half 11, there'd be some kind of mad game taking place between everyone in the pub. Do you know what I mean? Some kind of total chaos has broken out where there's some kind of factions have emerged. You know, know, not every night, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I never know what the feeling is like. That's the thing. What you want is people turning up to a pub, like a group of students turn up to a pub because they've heard it's the pub where there's a lock-in. And the first night they go, there isn't. Hmm. Because if mm. you become known as the pub where there's always a lock-in or there's always madness, it sort of people then play up to that and also you eventually get closed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you want is maybe, you know, once every two weeks, 
something crazy happens in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. That gives it a reputation that it doesn't then feel forced to live up to. Yeah, play it cute. You know, like if someone's a local, if they come in late, you give them the nod. You say, mm, yeah, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, you don't want, you don't want your um, front doors with 20, 30 people outside waiting for a lock-in. No. <laughs> I yeah. think that's, that's a bad look. Yes, I agreed. Hurry up, please. It's time. So what are we going to call this pub, Ian? That's the final, the final piece of the puzzle. Okay, I think the Thirsty Fiend. So that's Fiend, F-E-E-N. So Fiend is Cork speak for uh, a man. So Thirsty Man, pretty much. But it's the Thirsty Fiend as a sort of a homage to where I'm from. Nice. Oh, I love it. The Thirsty Man, pretty much. Thirsty Fiend. The Thirsty Fiend. Oh, what a great pub. Oh my god, I really, really want to go there now, but maybe when I'm a yeah. little bit younger. <laughs> I'd yeah, like no, to I mean, go there as a sort of 20-year-old. No, I think a little bit older than that. You reckon? You can't be having every uh, you know, local student in the place. It'll be you know, sort of a wink and a nod kind of place. You know, It's not, not, not too discussed, not too well-known, but the people who know, know, and they're trusted trusted few. Well, thank you so much, Ian Ryan, for creating The Thirsty Fiend with us this evening in The Moon Underwater. I commend this pub to you to take around whenever you need a little bit of solace, a little bit of peace, but also that hint, that hint of the uncertain chaos that could be unlocked by the Pogues, Spirit of Louisiana, or the whiskey and tequila that it holds within. So as we bid you farewell, which track from Rum, Sodomy and The Lash would you like to play you out? A Rainy Night in Soho. And it's been great to be in the Moon Underwater pub. It's been an absolute delight. And we must go for a little bit of a lash in London, us three, sometime soon. Yes, yes, yes. definitely. I'm 100% up for that. You can show me the pubs that you've uh, recommended. Yes, we could go on a little bit of a Southern Guinness lash. I don't mind that one little bit. And to play Ian Ryan out, suffice to say, before we go, do follow Shit London Guinness and Beautiful Pints on Instagram. They've got some fantastic merch available now. How's the merch going down, Ian? Yeah, merch is all good. You know, have all the um, pastel summer colours. Ready to rock. Uh, (laughs) To play Ian on his way as he moves back to the other realm, A Rainy Night in Soho by The Pogues. Night in Soho. The wind was whispering all its charm. Oh, there he goes, with the sound of wood pigeons saluting him, almost. If you can salute ooh, someone ooh, with a sound. Like that. And it's a beautiful sound to walk down a street at dusk, the wood pigeon, perhaps with a bit of smell of fire smoke somewhere in the mix. But next week, we're delighted to be welcoming comedian and not only comedian, beer writer, author and 
former pub inhabitant, Mr. James Dowdswell. So we look forward to seeing you then and do check out moonunderpod.com for tickets to the live recordings. They're going so well. We're really enjoying meeting some of you. And also you can find details of where to follow us on social media and subscribe to us on Patreon where you get ad-free podcasts, you get bonus podcasts, you get early information about uh, live gigs and access to the Moon Underwater Social Club. Bye-bye. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 